When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the snowflakes outside may make it confusing, but it's supposed to be springtime here in Michigan. And in East Lansing, that means spring football. The game, and I say that in quote fingers, is set for this Saturday at Spartan Stadium. What can fans expect? We will let you know. Also, more player movement with the Michigan State basketball team. What does it all mean for the future roster movement? We will discuss that as well on episode 32 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Wednesday, April 21, 2021. Kyle, it is currently 36 degrees here in Grand Rapids, and my golf league is supposed to start tonight. Will it? Uh, if you wanted to, uh, I guess it would. If you want to wear, if you want to wear big mittens or something and try to grip a golf club, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. But <laughs> well, I might not have a choice if if the league says we're playing, we're playing, right? I mean, it's not. Uh, you know, this isn't like one of those things where you can decide to show up or not. You know, I I always plan on showing up. Fortunately, I've already golfed like six times in sub forty degree weather this year. Uh, so I'm mentally preparing myself for it because when it comes to cold, you know, just ask Mel Tucker, when it comes to cold, it's all mental. I'm sure he'd tell you the same thing, right, Matt? Don't hit that four iron too thin tonight. That's going <laughs> to, it's going to hurt <laughs> that wringing up your hands. Yeah. Walking off after that. This is the most Michigan thing ever trying to play golf on April 20 and 21 and 36 degree weather, but you know what? Warm weather should be coming eventually, and uh, I certainly enjoy myself when I'm out there, so I'm going to try not to complain. But uh, let's jump right into it. But if you could first please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, hit us up via email, Twitter with your questions as we move into the off season here and uh, have a need for content. I'm sure we'll be able to answer a lot more of your questions. I know a lot of Spartans are looking forward to the spring game and, and uh, moving forward with the basketball roster. And uh, there's always stuff going on. So if you have any thoughts, send them our way. Uh, but let's start with the spring game. It's scheduled for two o'clock this Saturday. Uh, tickets were available at starting it for the public at 8 a.m. this morning. Uh, not a very large crowd being allowed in. Um, so if you got those tickets, congratulations, enjoy the practice, but, uh, Matt, why don't you give us a lowdown on, uh, just what fans can expect, uh, from the spring game this year? Um, well, again, it's not a real game, not a spring game, traditional one, which, um, you know, Michigan state usually did under Mark Antonio and, and Mel Tucker asked about it yesterday. And he said, that's what he's usually been a part of at programs. I looked in. They ran a traditional spring game at Colorado in 19. So, um, you know, and this was, I don't know, people were paying attention on Saturday, but when they announced the, um, like the attendance and the ticket stuff on, on Saturday afternoon, um, they also said it was going to be a 10 to 15, the, the game would be actually 10 to 15 practice periods with some live scrimmaging in there. Um, so we asked Mel about that yesterday and he, 
you know, he didn't really give a concrete reason for why they're deviating from what they traditionally do, um, but said, quote, the format that we're planning is going to be the best way to really display all those things based upon the guys that we have available. Um, he then went on to say he doesn't, he hasn't, they haven't, they've been relatively healthy and avoided, mostly avoided catastrophic type injuries. So I don't know if this is because, I mean, when we talk about how thin they are at linebacker or cornerback, maybe they just don't want to put that out there right now um, in a full game format where you've got, <laughs> you've got walk-ons playing in these key roles. I, I don't know, but maybe they just want to keep everything a little bit under wraps. I'd understand that, but um, yeah, so it'll be, um, Basically, he, he set it up as the first half of, of it will be mostly um, drill work and stuff and, and position work and teamwork. And, and then the second half will be more of the live scrimmage format. So um, it'll still be a better look than we've got uh, this spring uh, so far and a chance to at least see some of these new, new guys, um, you know, Anthony Russo, Kenneth Walker, Jared Horace, guys like that, and obviously the returners. I know you'll be uh, furiously writing down notes and making note of who's where, and it probably all uh, only matters a little bit, like who's going to be able to discern what actually matters and doesn't matter from the spring game. But uh, yeah. I know you'll be – I know you're eager to at least, you know, get, get, it, get some eyes on some guys. I mean, you just mentioned a few. Is it mostly the transfers that you're looking forward to seeing, or is there anyone specific that you're hoping to uh, keep your eye on or any position group maybe? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the um, like I said, the quarterback position, you want to see how Russo does with this offense, how he looks running it compared to Peyton Thorne. Uh, the running back position, Kenneth Walker, how he fits, because everybody's been raving about him. Um, you know, we, we've seen the tape on him. and It's not like he's a mystery. It's just, you know, how he fits with this team. Um, and, yeah, you know, it all, <laughs> all goes back to the offensive line, you know. I mean, if they're going to improve on offense, uh, that's where it has to start. And you want to see what that makeup is, even though, um, you know, they might, you know, change the makeup based on how they move guys around, uh, obviously before the uh, fall, but see how Jared Horse fits in there. And, you know, with, with all the experience they have coming back as a, as a veteran unit and then, uh, yeah, linebacker and cornerback, they're just so, they're just so thin on experience there. Um, I'm not really sure how much you can glean, especially at corner, um, with how much that position is going to change uh, this summer with all the additions. Um, but at linebacker, like we, you know, we talked to Noah Harvey yesterday and he was raving about Cal Halliday and how much that he stepped up uh, as a younger guy. So see a guy like him, Cole DeMarzo, Devin Hightower, how some of those young guys are, are fitting in. Granite, again, position will change with all the bodies they're bringing in this summer. So 6,000 fans are being allowed in. Um, I unfortunately will not be one of them. I was planning on getting tickets, but uh I have something else going on that day, a family engagement that will keep me from watching the glorified practice at Spartan Stadium. And yes, I know, you know, Matt, you told me like, it's not a big deal. This is probably more important than watching a practice. Uh, but I don't know, man, there's just something that I, you know, most of us didn't get to go into Spartan Stadium last year, or just be on campus or just be in there for like anything that's going on that's relevant. So I'm just really dying to get back in there uh, sooner rather than later. So congrats to everyone who did get tickets, who was planning on going. You were just looking at the weather forecast. It's looking iffy. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the next five days. This is the, this is, you know, we're not supposed to swear on this podcast. So I'll avoid it, but 
Um, yeah, this is, that'll be the worst day. I mean, there's supposed to be 60 and partly sunny on Friday. It's supposed to be 54 and sunny on Sunday. And then it gets some in the 60s and 70s. <coughs> Saturday is a high of 54 with the 73% chance of rain. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, you know, we, was it two weeks ago? It was like 80 degrees. And yeah, I mean, you're Michigan, man. The, the spring game is always a mixture. The attendance, I mean, this is obviously a weird year with the way it's limited, but the attendance is always a combination of excitement level around the quality of the team and the weather. Um, I mean, if it's Ohio State and there's, thun- and there's you know, tornadoes swirling around the horseshoe, I'm sure they put, you know, 90,000 in there no matter what every year, but um, most fan bases have a little bit more sense, I guess. But... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't mean, I mean, all credit to all, all credit to Ohio State, but the the fan base is, does not wane there to say the least. Uh, but I think a lot of other fan, most a lot of other programs, people gauge the the risk reward or value of you know spending a couple hours in uh, less than ideal conditions um, for a, a spring game or just a glorified practice is that what we're having this weekend. Well, I think the second part that you talked about is that it could be at an all-time high right now in terms of excitement and just wanting to see the team, you know, considering that fans weren't allowed last year, considering all the new guys Mel Tucker's brought in. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like the weather is going to cooperate, and obviously there's limits on fans anyways. But if there wasn't a limit on fans this year, how many – what do you think the, the ceiling would be of fans that they could draw this year? Because I think it could be quite a bit, honestly. I mean, if it was 75 degrees and they could let as many people in as possible, I don't know, you know, you get 30,000, 40,000 people there maybe, you know, I mean, the, it's hard because you know, the, the record they set, ironically, they announced, I think it was 50,000 in, in, and that was in 16. And <laughs> we know they were coming off in 15, but what 16 became, I don't think anybody saw that coming. That, that was at that spring game, but. Uh, well, well, that was the year Mark D'Antonio, you know, they were coming off the, the college football playoff and he, uh, he banged the drum, you know, for, for, for some reason, spring game attendance was like incredibly important to him that year. Um, so I, that might've been what they announced as, as an attendee of that spring game. I'm, I'm dubious of that number. I'll say that. I was going to defer to you cause I was not there for that spring game. Um, it was a year before I was doing this. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it announced attendance is always, um, questionable to say the least i think it's just pick a number that sounds good and go with that (laughs) well at least we're finally going to get a look at the players on the field and maybe at least get an idea of you know what mel tucker's doing at these practices and kind of how he's running things it'll at least be a somewhat of a look at things so i'm looking forward to it it's at two o'clock it'll be on big 10 network if you didn't get uh tickets So we're going to move on to basketball here in a second, but there was one other note from the football realm that I found pretty interesting on Twitter. Matt, you had pointed out that Elijah Collins, who was easily one of the biggest mysteries of last year, um, you know, we thought he was a sure thing to approach a thousand yards, be a bell cow back for a Michigan State team that we didn't expect to be very good, but we thought maybe he would be the one player on offense that could be, you know, a standout. He ends up getting buried in the depth chart. True freshman Jordan Simmons gets more carries over him. Connor Hayward was getting more carries over him. Um, And it was really a big mystery. What happened to Elijah Collins last year? Uh, You talked to him this week, uh, and maybe we got a little bit uh, of an answer as to why last year was such a difficult year for him. Can you kind of 
fill us in on that. Yeah, I, Amy said he got he got COVID in the summer, um, and that came after he had to quarantine for two weeks because he was a close contact to somebody else. So between the the initial quarantine and then him getting it, he he was out for about a month and said he lost some weight, some muscle, um, wind. So I mean, he couldn't run the same he thought, and he said it took a toll. Um, you know, he said he said once he you know he got back, he didn't think about it anymore. But he, he later said that you know he, he thought he was ready to go at the start of the season, but looking back on it, he he wasn't, and said he gave everything he had, but he didn't have too much to give. So um, yeah, I mean, I think any when you, when you anybody who watched Blaise in, in nineteen and then watched him last year, um, it was clearly not the same. He just didn't look like the same player. I mean, and didn't look at all like some guy who was 30 pounds overweight and out of shape or anything like that. He didn't look like he was injured. I mean, he was playing on special teams on the um, the kick return team up front. And so, yeah, I mean, just something wasn't right. And, and that would be an explanation for it, uh, you know, to explain a little bit of the struggles. Um, so, but he's, you know, everything else he said was positive. He's refocused and, and he's, you know, out there to, ready to prove himself again and, and wants to show fans what he's capable of doing and, and ready to turn around from, from last year. And so uh, uh, credit to him for staying positive through this. For the, um, and, you know, like not, not, he, he was asked about, you know, cause every, like you said, everybody wanted to know what was wrong with him last year. And, and he, he said, you know, he was getting all the messages and people asking the same thing and he kind of wanted to put it all up there, but he, but he didn't. So um Credit to him. If I was in his position and was, you know, 20 years old or whatever he is, uh, I would have probably just told everyone to get off my, off my back because I'm dealing with some stuff, but um, you know, he's just going to move forward. And and people have been saying uh, William Peegler, the running backs coach yesterday said he and Donovan Eaglin are the two most improved uh, backs this spring. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, 222 attempts, 988 yards. That's almost 4.4 a carry in 2019. And then last year, just the 41 carries for 90 yards, 2.2 yards per attempt. He was basically phased out of the rotation by the end of the season, just one carry for negative three yards on December 12th against Penn state. So basically phased out of the rotation. He got more, he got the bulk of his work came in that latter. Well, those two games, those at Northwestern Ohio State, I believe, when um, uh, Jordan but, Simmons was out. But still just 13 so, carries and eight carries. I mean, which I guess – Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Oh, and Napped Michigan yeah. State's offense was, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was the third <laughs> running back in the rotation, yeah. basically is what he was all year. So, Well, yeah, for sure. And you've said it. Give him credit for coming back and not transferring. And, you know, he want, clearly wants to be at Michigan State. He's proven he can be successful at Michigan State. So, uh, I think all that healthy competition in the running back room is only going to benefit the team in the long run. So he's a guy who I'm, I'm really hoping can, can bounce back because he showed some excellent uh, Le'Veon Bell-like vision uh, in 19 and just that burst that he had through the holes uh, was really, really impressive. So I'm hoping that we can get more flashes of that here with the normal offseason and a hopefully healthy Elijah Collins. Um, but let's move on to basketball with the, the ever-changing basketball roster. It's been an active offseason, Kyle, uh, and it, uh, we got more news this week. Uh, Foster Lawyer, the junior point guard from Clarkston, uh, entering the transfer portal. Uh, this is something that, you know, I know, you know, some fans had speculated on that might happen. 
Um, there was a lot of different routes I thought Foster could go. You know, obviously his health is a question at this point. But uh, what went into Foster's decision to leave Michigan State, and were you surprised? I, I would say I was a little surprised uh, of the three scholarship guys. I think his might have surprised me the most, uh, but not by a lot. It, it wasn't shocking. You know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't done his statement you know everyone's got to do their twitter statement now um and <laughs> yeah. he hasn't and he's not that those ever really give a whole lot of insight into into why but um so i can't really tell you the why but i can tell you um it was a little bit for a couple reasons one you know before he got hurt he was actually playing a little bit more um and i think he had started four games in a row there um in february uh, you know, maybe hadn't taken over, you know, the the job and become the lead guy. But at least I think I thought was getting regular minutes and, and had a clear role on the mm-hmm. team. Um, it wasn't like, you know, Thomas Tithier just saw his minutes dwindle, dwindle, essentially nothing at the end of the year. Um, that was not uh, Foster's trajectory. Uh, he had kind of come back from a little bit of lull there and, and it kind of carved out a role for himself. Um, and so between that and the fact that uh, that he's rehabbing, um, that surprised me a little bit, too, just because. You know, you're going to go to a new place. I, I think it's going to be about six months after that shoulder surgery. So he's going to be, you know, off the court um, until late in the off season. So to go to a new place, have to learn everything and, and not be able to be on the court. Uh, you know, that's going to be a tricky, tricky situation to manage. So I, I thought maybe those factors could bring him back. But, uh, you know, you look on the other side, um, obviously, he, he couldn't really take hold of that job this year. Um, and there's going to be even more competition next year. You know, they, they obviously brought in the transfer and Tyson Walker um, and, and bringing in Jaden Aiken as a freshman. So you're bringing in two guys kind of over you. Um, and Hogarth is still there too. And Hogarth's still there too. Um, so it was going to be more competition. Um, and for a guy who kind of had every opportunity this year to do it and couldn't do it, and then you bring in more competition next year, I think, I think it makes sense from that perspective. So we talked about it last week with Foster Law- with uh, Thomas Kithier. You know, Foster Lawyer, similarly to Kithier, the target of a lot of attacks on Twitter. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't need to get into that again. It's not cool. Uh, hopefully your reply guys weren't as uh, <laughs> terrible this time after our conversation. They actually weren't, surprisingly. Oh, good. Good. Maybe they listen to us. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Foster, you know, he's, he's going to move on here, you know, as uh, – you know, we kind of looked back on Kith Year's career last week. We should probably do the same with Foster. You know, one Mr. Basketball. This is a kid that just filled it up in high school at Clarkston. Uh, went to state title games, dominated at the Breslin. And obviously, you know, Dane Five, Tom Izzo, thought that they could bring an undersized guy in and make him work in the Big Ten. I think three years later, you would have to say that's a failed experiment. Uh, Foster Lawyer, for as hard as he works – for as intelligent of a basketball player as he is, for as good of a teammate as he is, just never seemed to be able to overcome some physical limitations in certain matchups against other high-level guards that just were bigger and stronger than him. Um, And that, to me, you know, we didn't get the – have we gotten the team statement about Foster transferring yet? Because you say those statements don't really say anything, but I've thought Tom Izzo's statements about guys who have left have – been a little bit illuminating because he's being pretty frank about like we had this conversation we thought it was best that he'd go elsewhere or we asked rocket to change positions and it didn't work so we thought he might go Mm -hmm. elsewhere so i have gotten a little bit i feel like we've gotten a little bit of insight as to how or why these guys are transferring maybe the writing was on the wall but 
Yeah, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, um, haven't seen anything from the program either. Um, and maybe we will still. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, kind of looking back on Foster Lawyer's career, I mean, there's, there's parts that surprised me and parts that didn't. Um, I, I guess the thing that didn't is just that he struggled as a guy who was, you know, they list him at six foot one seventy five. He he never looked that big standing next to him. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, a guy who um, I I think a lot of people thought was going to struggle physically in the Big Ten, um, and he did. And and he'd kind of do that thing where in uh, non conference play, you know, he they play some of these smaller, less athletic teams. He looked good. Uh, certainly, we all remember against Eastern in the opener this year when he started and dropped twenty something and looked like a dude, but you know, every year they, they got into big 10 play and, um, and he just kind of struggled to, to be able to stay on the court. And so that wasn't really shocking. I know they thought that um, he was kind of crafty enough to, to overcome that and could work angles and, and things like that. And I think he did that a little bit, but that just worked enough to overcome the shortcomings. So, so that didn't surprise me. What did though was his shooting yeah. um, because I thought, you know, okay, he, defense is going to be an issue, but, you know, when he's out there, you know, he's a guy that's going to be able to make shots. I mean, if you ever watched him play at Clarkston, he was lights out mm-hmm. um, shooting the ball. And he admitted at times that there was a confidence issue um, for him, w- which was pretty open. Most players won't do that. But, you know, looking at his stats, shot 36.1% from three-point range for his career, shot 32% this year when he got the most minutes. I mean, that's just not, not what we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, at all this year at, at all from him. And um, I, I think it's hard when, when you're not the guy and you know that you have limited playing time, you have limited attempts. Uh, I think that's probably in your head. And he admitted to that, that if I take a bad shot, if I have a bad miss, I might get pulled. It, it's hard to, to be a really good shooter. Um, I think with that mindset and, and to get into a rhythm when that's the case. So mm-hmm. um, whatever the reason the, the defense did not surprise me the, the fact that he never found his shot at Michigan State did surprise me. Yeah, and when shooting is going to be your top, like 32, 29%, you know, 44% last year, and then 40 yeah, years he was good ago. Last year. Um, but when that's like your number one asset and probably the main reason that you're a Division One basketball player and you're not hitting that at a well above average clip, you're going to have issues because that's like your one thing where you can really, really separate yourself and bring something to the table. And we talked about Michigan state all year, not being a very good shooting team. Uh, and you know, that's because guys like Foster never got going. Rocket didn't consistently mm-hmm. find a shot. You know, Langford basically became a mid range maestro <laughs> this year. And, <laughs> and so like, you know, and Aaron Henry, we've talked about his shooting, you know, woes. So, uh, you know, I think they were probably counting on Foster lawyer being a guy, if he couldn't, really do you know the whole point guard thing maybe he's a guy who could come in and knock down some shots but we saw him just struggle to get his shots up sometimes just because of his stature so in terms of Mm -hmm. where he could could end up and we should mention mention that Kithier ended up at Valparaiso which I think is a a great landing spot for him he can play in the Missouri Valley which is sort of one of those top mid-tier conferences Uh, Valpo's got a, a proud program that you know has made the tournament before or at least challenged in their conference to make it. So I, I like that landing spot. You could maybe see somewhere similar for Foster. Uh, looks like his offers – I mean, he committed to Michigan State pretty early too, I think. But, you know, you look at his offers, 
Davidson, DePaul, Oakland, Purdue, uh, St. Louis, Toledo, and his brother's going to Purdue. So, you know, I, it doesn't seem likely to me that he stays in the Big Ten. Seems like a step down would make more sense. But where do you see as a potential landing spot? I'd be surprised if it's in the power five or power six, I should say for, um, for basketball, including the big East, just because I think anybody could, could turn on his tape and just say, um, you know, physically it, it's going to be a tough go for him. Um, and, you know, and maybe some other power conferences are a little bit more forgiving than the big 10, but um, I still think that for a, a team he goes to and for him, he'd be better off. Uh, to step down, you know, whether it's the Missouri Valley or Summit, you know, those are some of the leagues that you just mentioned as far as teams, the Mac uh, could make sense. Um, I, I just think that physically he's going to fit in there more. Not that there aren't good athletes there and, and big guys, because there are, but I, I think he's more likely to find some matchups that he could, he can succeed in there. So um, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, Kithier, Kithier apparently it had some higher major offers. So maybe some, some team, you know, some coach can always look, look at you and say, Oh, I, I can figure that out or I can solve that riddle or can look at his high school tape and say, I can, I can find that player again. So, so it wouldn't shock me, but if, um, if I'm betting, I, you know, I'm betting he goes down to one of the, one of those levels. I saw Brandon Wood was pretty fired up that Kithier went to Valparaiso though. Cause now he can be like, I, you know, Valpo, Michigan state, woohoo, the pipeline. A, a, apparently, apparently they need a point guard. So maybe, maybe the uh, Clarkston boys will, uh, <laughs> will, will, will go together. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kind of fun to just watch from afar. Get him on like, the schedule. Hey, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) That'll be fun. Uh, But seriously, if you want to just throw things out there, when is Michigan State and Loyola Chicago getting a home and home here? You got to get Drew Valentine, man. Come on, that makes sense, right? That'd be great. I mean, I I don't put anything past Izzo, but um, I mean, we we can have a scheduling pod in July if you want to, because I I nerd out on these things. But I I would love to see games like that. But for Michigan State, I feel like there's – it's all – risk and no reward you know like if you beat Loyola Chicago you're supposed to you know they're a mid-major Missouri Valley team but if you lose to them you know you're Illinois (laughs) you're Um, Illinois right (laughs) exactly so that's why I I would love to see them playing them or like a Dayton you know or teams like that but they never seem to play it's like they play the Willie the Dukes or they play the uh, Savannah State it always seems Mm -hmm. like it's one or the other not none of those good in between well I think they are both in that Atlantis tournament uh, next oh, year. Oh, that'd be fun. So they could potentially meet up there, and the bracket makers might. Uh, I could see them just doing a little shenanigans and making that a first round matchup just to have Drew Valentine uh, versus Tom Izzo. Uh, t- TV makes all those matchups, and TV knows that that would probably get a rating. So I could, I could go for that. I'd be down to watch. Put it. that one on at uh, 1057 or so. Like, uh... <laughs> oh, gosh. No, that's Maui. That, that starts late. The Bahamas games aren't usually as late, but. Couldn't uh, be. Are they gonna? Do you get to go to the Bahamas? No, uh, I don't. That's a good question. Uh, the powers that be are listening. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think I do a great job. You know, working from the Bahamas. I'll say that. I've always wanted to go to the Atlantis uh, place there. That seems like a cool spot. But uh, yeah, Foster Lawyer, we obviously wish him luck. Didn't work out at Michigan State, um, but now we have roster spots. We have two roster spots in the the talk of that one kid from Ypsilanti has. Uh, reached a fever pitch, Kyle. Now that there's two roster spots, everyone looking at this like Tom Izzo is opening up a roster spot with someone specific in mind, whether that's a transfer or Imani Bates. <clears throat> Excuse me. What do you, how do you see them looking to fill this roster spot, if at all? 
Uh, well, well, first of all, I, I, I don't think, you know, these are guys deciding what to do. Um, and I, I don't think room was made for anybody or room was made in general. I think guys just decided what to do. Um, and if, so if you don't think, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but so you don't think Tom Izzo no, was no. like sort of nudging Kithier and lawyer out the door. I, you know, you can call it what you want to. I think they sat down after the season and said, um, this is how I see your role for next year. And, um, if you want to transfer, you know, we support you. And if you want to come back, we support you. Um, and, you know, maybe he told them, I don't see very many minutes for you, or, or I don't see, you know, or it's going to be tough sledding for you to find a role in this rotation. And you can call that pushing them out. But I, if, if they really sat down and said, we think you should go somewhere else, that would surprise me. Let's say that. I, I think they had some very honest conversations that might have made it look like transferring is the best option. So, so maybe that's the same thing, but, but to me, I don't know. I see this notion on social media too, just like you do, that they cleared space or they talked to them too. I don't think that's the case. I just think that they had honest conversations about where they stand and what their future looks like in Michigan State. But the open roster spot does make it at least possible that someone. Yeah, it does. And I think you want, I think you want flexibility, whether it's for Imani or not. And and if you're sitting there with bated breath um, for Imani, I would, um, um, I would try to tone it down because I don't think he's making a decision anytime soon because um, he doesn't have to. So um, I think we'll get, they're going to be waiting for that. But um, I, I, I'm actually writing something right now about what they can do with it. I, I think you sit on it personally. I think you sit on both of them because I, I think in this new era um, that we have of, of rosters changing all the time, of, of players entering and leaving the portal at all times and um, – it always seems like there's a recruit who wants to commit and then reclassify and come in, you know, July or August. Um, I, I think roster flexibility is going to be very important in this new era. And you don't know what's going to come available in July and August or fall into your lap. Um, so I think there's going to be, um, I think having a roster spot or two available is going to be pretty valuable for these coaches. And um so between that and the fact that I look at the 11 guys that they have for next year and I, and I don't see any huge like need, you know, a point guard was their issue last year. That's the one thing that they really addressed. Um, I, I think you could make a case for either a guard or a forward um, and it wouldn't shock me either one, but um, I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't look and say, Oh, they really need this. or They really need that. I think if they keep them open, uh, nothing falls into their lap, whether it's, you know, a gift from Ypsilanti or, or something else. Um, and they roll with these 11 next year. Like I, um, it, it seems like an okay squad to me. No. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that three man freshman class coming in, you know, with three guys that could theoretically all contribute right off the jump kind of makes mm-hmm. it. So their depth is, is pretty secure. I think a wing type maybe, uh, could be that's something one, that's my one thing too yeah just sort of something that could help soften the blow from Aaron, losing Aaron Henry but yeah I mean they've got guys that could play right now and I agree the, the rate that guys are entering and leaving the portal we saw John Hara uh, who the Spartan from Penn State who the Spartans were reportedly sniffing around on he's going to go back to Penn State um, so that takes him off the board so I think they're probably just if they're, they're I don't know if there's anyone out there that they're looking to really jump at right now they jumped early on Tyson Walker so yeah I agree kind of just waiting playing the field uh, see what develops over the summer and then you can cross that bridge when you get there because you've got a solid roster base as is um, last thing I want to touch on here today Josh Langford announced that he is basically retiring from from uh, basketball obviously a, a very very promising career that was 
kind of ruined in, in some respects by injury. Um, but he did get to come back this year. He made it through the season. I know he talked a lot about finishing, so he has no regrets. And this is a, a ver- really, really smart kid who's a natural-born leader who has a lot of skills to offer and a lot of insight to offer. If you follow him on social media, you see that he's a really deep kid who thinks about a lot of things in a lot of different ways. And he seems like he has big plans outside of basketball. So uh, it wasn't something that really surprised me, but I'm really just glad that Langford at least got to come back and finish. What was your reaction to his announcement? Yeah, that, that seemed like it was really important to him and, and that his last game that he was on the court competing and not sitting there um, on the sideline in a boot or that his career didn't end with him being carried off the court. 35 um, minutes against you know. UCLA. So Right, he played 35 minutes. You know, he was playing, you know, he was giving them everything he had. And um, um, I, I think when it came down to it, he um, – you know, that that's a much better way to go out than it would have been last year when he was, you know, walking through senior day in a boot. Um, so I, I think he got the end. I mean, obviously they lost in a playing game. That's not what he wanted. But as far as his personal career, I think that meant something. And, um, you know, he, he seemed like he was undecided. I don't know how much he tested the waters or talked to people or looked at what his professional options might be. But um, it, if you saw, if you watched closely how he played this season, um I mean, I think he was giving them everything he had physically, and he didn't look like a guy who had a lot more tread on the tires. Um, so I can't say it's shocking to see him not go for a, a professional career because I think it's been pretty limited. And, and it's sad because he's a guy who um, – I was looking this up earlier today. He's the ninth highest-rated prospect um, in since, like, 2002 to come in. You know, he's right up – you know, five-star McDonald's All-American. He's right up there with some of the – some of the highest rated, most talented high school guys they've ever brought in. It was really him and Miles who were sort of the yeah, two. Yeah, he, he, uh, he got were... a little overshadowed. If he was like, like if he was, if he didn't have Miles in his class, like he would have been talked about a ton more, and he was still talked about a lot. But um, he was, he was right there. Um, and uh, you know, we saw it. I, I still think about the beginning of his junior year. I, I think he had a couple of slow years there where he didn't really develop, but. Uh, man, that like November and December, his junior year, they went out in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. He was shooting great. He was playing great with cash, just hitting all these mid-ranges. Um, and it seemed like it had really just clicked for him. And he and he had about a month of that. Um, and then he, he started getting the pain in his foot. And um, it, it's all kind of downhill from there. So, um, I mean, the bad news is it's a really unfortunate ending for a really great kid the good news is and this is something that Tom Izzo and other people in the program have said throughout is if there's a kid who can handle that kind of mentally um it's Josh Langford because as you mentioned on the, at the top you know he's a kid that um smart sees the bigger picture um he's always been involved in other things besides basketball you know he he's involved in churches religious organizations he does motivational speaking um he's know, the kingdom he's, thinker right yeah he's a very deep thinker so i, I have no no doubts that he's going to go and, and be successful doing something and he he used the phrase at peace multiple times um when we talked to him which stood out to me he, he said I'm, I'm somebody who's at peace um and um, and i believe him and and that's you know after everything he's been through that's a good thing to hear from him that's awesome 
I mean, I, I don't care who you are. If you're a fan of college basketball, and I have a lot of them who follow me, and I interact with a lot of them from all over the country, and the one consistent thing that they would say about Michigan State this year through a very inconsistent season was, it's so great to see Josh Langford back on the court. Mm-hmm. And you would hear that almost every broadcast. And, you know, you could say it's cliche or whatever, but it really was. It really, through all the things that stunk about this season from a fan standpoint or even from a team standpoint – the one positive is that Josh Langford was able to play throughout it and get through it with, without getting hurt again and, and walk off the court on his own terms. And that, that, that's pretty awesome. And, and be an actual contributor too, you know, right. because if you would ask me during the start of the season, I thought he'd come off the bench, play 10, 15 minutes a game, try to hit a couple of threes. But like, he's the reason that they made the NCAA tournament. I mean, a couple guys are the reason, but it, you know, if he plays that role, they thought that team doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Like they needed the- him out there. That big shot against Michigan. Yeah, he beat Michigan. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that he basically, you know, extended the streak for them, um, I, I think that was incredibly meaningful for him and for a lot of people there. Agreed. Uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for today's show. We obviously wish uh, Foster Lawyer, Josh Langford, luck in their future endeavors. Um, have fun at the spring game, uh, fans out there, if you're listening. Uh, stay warm, bundle up, bring the hot chocolate. Matt will be there in his nice, cozy press box, uh, smiling down at you. Uh, Kyle, are you going to the spring game? Uh, I will be attending the spring game, yes, indoors. Awesome. Awesome. Make that, then, so you can wave at the fans down there in their coats and hats and all that. But uh, it'll be good to see some football, if, even if it is just a glorified practice. It'll be nice to get a look at the players and see Mel all fiery out there. And they're going to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of recruits there, right, Matt? Um, yeah, there's some. Uh, I've seen uh, – I was talking to uh, Ashton Lepo, the, uh, the offensive tackle commit from uh, Grand Haven. He's going to be there. He thinks Tyrell Henry is going to be there. So i got to reach out to some more guys. Charles Brantley, um, Stephon Johnson I saw going to be there. So Yeah, yeah. Those are well, – uh, you know, those guys are already signed. Uh, Tyson yeah. Watson said this morning he's going to be there. Those guys are already, you know, in the fold. And um, um, A.J. Duffy, the uh, four-star cute 2020 – to QB from IMG is going to be there. Um, so that's a big one. Yeah, weird, <laughs> weird situation because he's still, still a dead period. You still can't recruit in person. So I don't know. They got to seat him somewhere where Mel Tucker can't maybe catch them in his eye line or something. That might be a, that might be an NCAA violation if you read the letters of the letter of the law. But um, they're going to sit yeah, Duffy I mean, right next to you. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll take, I'd take a story out of it though that's fine yeah. <laughs> watching the spring game oh okay yeah uh, that's gonna do it for the episode here today we appreciate you listening very much uh, like I said enjoy the football we'll keep tracking all the off-season college basketball news um, and hopefully we we'll get some warm weather here sooner rather than later and uh, we'll keep track of everything but like I said if you could please like rate and review the podcast uh, check us out on MLive.com slash Spartans and send me a note of encouragement to playing golf in 36 degree weather later tonight. Gonna bundle up, but uh, that's what beer's for. So until next time, for Brandon Champion, for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel, thanks for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. And go green. <laughs>